Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it is so good to be back at our kitchen table. And today we're going to have a guest who's going to help settle a lot of debate that we've been having as a family, not just between you and I, my sister, my dad, your family's way of eating. All of this is going to be challenged today because our guest has your namesake, Dr. Sean O'Mara. He's a doctor. He's also a lawyer, was a prosecutor just like you. He went to Penn State University, graduated summa cum laude, graduated from Villanova Law School, and then went to Temple University where he got his MD. He specializes in emergency, well, originally started in emergency medicine. And then a series of things happened that caused him to start looking at the way we eat and our health. And the way we just do life in general in America, and he's, I think, turning a lot of people on their heads. Uh, he's mind-breaking. He's mind-breaking <laughs> us. Um, so with no further ado, let's welcome Dr. Sean O'Mara. Doctor, thanks for joining us at the kitchen table. Yeah. Hey, Duffy. It's great to be with you guys. Super excited and uh, big fans, long-term uh, fans of you. My, my family, my wife and I, we really enjoy what you guys are doing. So awesome. Thank you so much. So let's let's get started. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came from, you know, your background in in emergency medicine to now helping people live their best life ever. Sure. So this this, I think this is uh, worth discussing because uh, a lot of people think that, well, if you're kind of a health fanatic, you've always been a health fanatic. But I really wasn't. I wasn't somebody who was interested at all in preventing medical problems. I went to medicine, medical school to be an emergency medicine doctor. And I left medical school being an emergency medicine doctor, pursuing a residency, trained formally in emergency medicine. And anytime a study would come up uh, in a medical journal or while in medical school when I was training about how to get healthy or prevent disease, I wasn't interested. I was that physician who was really more attracted to uh, the the a true emergency, like a gunshot, tra- trauma, a stroke, um, aortic dissection, something that was a real emerging kind of a situation. So it, it really is a, a complete shift, a paradigm shift for me to go from being an emergency medicine doctor to now what 
I specialize in, which is health and performance optimization, which is really, I'm the only physician in the world doing this. So my story goes, how I got interested in it is as an ER physician, I, I was in the army, I was active duty, and I gradually was accumulating weight like most Americans do. And I was heavy. I was walking around the hospital and the ER drinking a gallon of skim milk with chocolate Hershey syrup in it, thinking that I was being healthy. And a patient who uh, was who came into the hospital and, uh, was in fantastic shape, challenged me about what I was drinking and said that I should cut out carbohydrates. And, and uh, he talked to me about a diet back then. It was called the paleo diet. Never heard of it. And I decided to give it a try because I had an enlarged prostate. I was waking up four to five times a night. I had restless leg syndrome, kicking my legs all night long, keeping my poor wife, Julie, awake. I had sleep apnea, so I would stop breathing and, and uh, snore. And I had uh, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, clogged arteries. I had gastroesophageal reflux, really bad heartburn, so bad that I had precancerous lesions in my esophagus. So I had to be scoped every three months to get biopsies, looking for cancer, which was really stressful. And I, I just was, su I was suffering immeasurably. I had erectile dysfunction too. So all of these problems were afflicting me at too, too young of an age. How old were you and around that time? I was probably about 48 or so at that time uh, when I had that conversation with that, uh, that patient. Mm -hmm. And I started reading about it and I thought, well, I'm just going to give it a try and do this. So I... I immediately cut out processed foods. I started eating meat and vegetables in whole form. And nobody told me. This guy didn't tell me. I didn't read anything about it. This is, you know, uh, about 11 years ago. Nobody told me anything would be beneficial other than maybe I would lose weight. So when all of a sudden about, uh, it wasn't all of a sudden, but it was, it was probably about 10, 10 months later, I'm standing in front of my, in my bathroom, uh, going to the bathroom, peeing, and I'm peeing like a teenager now. And I noticed that now I'm forcefully peeing. It's no longer dribbling out of me. And I stopped and thought about it. And I realized I wasn't waking up anymore at night. And all my heartburn symptoms went away. All the noises I made went away. All the, the eczema that I had and skin conditions went away. And uh, my my restless syndrome, kicking my legs went away, my snoring and my sleep apnea. So you might think I would be happy about that and please, but the truth is I had this cognitive professional dissonance. I became furious that I had gone through medical school, trained as an mm. emergency medicine physician, and all of these medical problems that I had couldn't be effectively eradicated. The, the symptoms were partially abated by the medications that I was on, but I was suffering, I was miserable, and I was worsening. And then when I go on a dietary change, like cutting out processed foods and eating just meat and vegetables in whole form, all of these medical problems start going away substantially. And so... I decided professionally, I had to investigate what happened. How could this be possible? How did I get so deluded by medical school into thinking that medications were the only answer and that mm -hmm. prevention really mm -hmm. didn't have a significant role? 
And so I joined a research practice in Minneapolis. I joined a colleague, Dr. Singh, and I moved my family from Washington, D.C. to Minneapolis. And I learned under Dr. Zhang about this biomarker called visceral fat, which is this fat deep in the abdomen of uh, people. And I did. I had this vague awareness about deep belly fat, maybe, that it's kind of a bad thing. But when I joined that research practice and he was researching it, I started to research it and look at, look at its uh, effects in studies that we, we found. And I was uh, I was amazed at how detrimental this human health and how little I knew about it as a physician. And I realized that it's not part of our training. And since becoming an expert now on visceral fat, it's it's not part of any curriculum in medical school, uh, Rachel uh, and Sean. It's just ignored in medical school. And moreover, it's even ignored by radiologists who read studies and see it but never report it and warn patients about this significant disease. So while I was studying and researching visceral fat, we obtained a grant for the National Science Foundation to, to research how can we eradicate the largest problem facing humanity, which was facing our country at the time, which is chronic disease. And mm -hmm. it's the largest problem facing our country and humanity because nothing costs us more money. Nothing do we spend right. more money trying to solve. Could that be why um, they don't want to solve it? Is that possible? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be conspiratorial, but after the last two years with COVID um, and all the, the, the misinformation that came out of our federal health bureaucrats and big pharma, I just, I, my head, the reason why I think Sean and I are both really open to what you're saying and, and, is that we just don't believe the medical establishment anymore. And I, I, I'm starting to believe that profit is the motive. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I completely agree. Since I've looked, I've studied this biggest problem in humanity and, and come up with solutions to help uh, eliminate that problem, I realized the forces aligned against it really are centered in um, a profit uh, achieving motive. So it's big pharma, uh, it's big healthcare, it's big food. It's big medicine. It's big in insurance. They're all aligned to profit. Uh, insurance companies um, are especially they you think they're great because they cover your medical costs. But the truth is, if anybody's in the health industry in a senior executive level, I'm calling you out. You know what you want. You want higher premiums. You want the cost of health insurance to be higher. And guess how they do that? By increasing the prevalence of disease and opposing the reversal of disease. If there wasn't a lot of chronic disease, you wouldn't have to pay much for health insurance. But yes. they, it's like the character in the automobile insurance industry, all state, you know, mayhem, everything's blowing up and he's always hurt. So they create this illusion of mayhem that you're falling apart, everything's really bad. So you pay more for automobile insurance and you also pay more for health insurance. The truth is you shouldn't. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, you can get yourself healthy. You do not, you should not be paying for a lot of cost of health insurance. It's just really designed by the health industry, big pharma, big healthcare, big medicine, big food care. They're all aligned. Even big government is aligned yes. to uh, to contribute to the uh, the and sustain, I should say, the epidemic of chronic disease. And by the way, it's also the world's biggest humanity's biggest problem because nothing kills more people. Yes. And the sad thing is, 
is completely preventable. So, so what we. So- so, Doc, let, let, let's talk about that. So talk about kind of the, your set of ideas on what is the healthiest inputs that we put into our body, food, food right? Food. Um, that, Robot, that John, make inputs. You inputs <laughs> that, make you the, that make you the healthiest, the strongest. And then I want to later come back to, to, to the signs of visceral fat, which when I've heard you talk about this, it fascinates me. But talk about what, what so what does a healthy diet look like from your studies? Sure. So what we found a healthy diet looks like are, are the things they talked about, eating meat uh, and eating vegetables. And so um, when we study um, in, in, our, in our, our grant from the National Science Foundation, we found the greatest resolution of reversal chronic disease in studying 6,000 people. We scanned their abdomens looking at, looking at visceral fat, and we followed what forms of chronic disease they had to measure the impact on the reversal and resolution of those chronic diseases. So the number one thing that we found that most influenced the reversal chronic disease was eating clean, the proverbial, you know, eating clean expression of meat and vegetables and whole form and not processed foods. So if people really could see what happens inside their body when they introduce processed foods and what happens inside their body when they uh, eliminate processed foods, it would jar them into motivation to to eliminate processed foods from their diet. So, so what does I your think, what, tell us what your day looks like? What is a diet like a typical day of breakfast, lunch, dinner for you, doctor? Yeah, so I get up and if I'm eating that particular day, it's like say not a fasting day. I will eat uh, maybe a large uh, cheesy omelet with with bacon and steak and eggs. And, delicious. And, and then I like I like to garnish my food um, not only for taste, uh, but also for um, nutritional and especially microbial benefit with fermented foods. So traditionally, our ancestors would have eaten fermented foods. And today we see the healthiest populations of people have a tradition of eating fermented foods. So a little bit of fermented sauerkraut fermented vegetables, fermented kimchi, kefir, which is a fermented dairy product, uh, kombucha, which is growing in popularity, and even organic apple cider vinegar that's probiotic. So these microbes uh, really um, are an important part of our diet, part of our existence. And that's a big part of health uh, today. The health of individuals are the microbes that we possess within our gastrointestinal tract, and even in our body and our skin. So it's a bit of a report card of sorts that you can actually evaluate how health somebody, how healthy somebody is by the species, the microbes that they have on them. So one of the things we have been concentrating on in our, our studies is looking at these microbes and the microbiome uh, makeup of humans for the purposes of helping to drive health, the health of individuals uh, to uh, a healthier state, and it's the the more diseased people tend to have a more pathogenic and what's called obesogenic obesity generating microbes, and people aren't taught this; they're not aware of it. But in the future, I think that's going to be a big part of effective healthcare is uh, leveraging that microbiome. So but- I was going to doc. I was going to ask you that because I I thought if this was a a, a highly meat based diet, we know we get. The, the flora or the 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 microbes for gut health. It's really important. You don't get that from meat. So, but you're saying 
no, no, you can eat a a a, a high meat diet, but also if you if you include fermented foods. fermented foods, that actually gives you the the necessary microbes for good yeah. gut health. Yeah. So just consider this, uh, uh, Sean. If you if you ever run into somebody with bad breath, if you went to lunch with them, you'd watch them put a piece of meat or bread in their mouth, and they would chew that meat and bread with these nasty microbes in their mouth that give them bad breath. Then they swallow that meat and bread down into their stomach. Now, what you should be doing is having some fermented, you know, kimchi or sauerkraut or a little bit of blue cheese, some healthy microbes in your mouth, chew it together with that meat. Then you masticate together this really healthy combination of food and that's how our ancestors would have been, mm. lived. They would have been leveraging the beneficial microbes that were available in nature to chew them together and s swallow that. So when you do that interesting study, if you're listening, is go to one of those churrascarias, all-you-can-eat steakhouses, um, see how much you can eat, uh, just straight meat, and then go back the next week, bring in some ferments with you, a little jar of kimchi. Try putting kimchi in your mouth, chew them together. You'll probably double the amount of meat that you can eat because you feel so good when those microbes are part of your digestive practice immediately. So that's what I, I teach my patients to do now. Uh, to so give, a, give, us your, give us your lunch and dinner too. Yeah. So lunch and dinner is not too much different. I probably would do uh, steak and burgers. I like red meat. Um, I think our ancestors ate a lot of megafauna, would have been more red meat and uh, higher yield uh, in terms of nutritional value. So uh, oftentimes it's gonna be steak and burgers, or maybe it will be liver, but I, uh, I always include uh, meat and then uh, always include fermented uh, foods. Um, I really like fermented blue cheeses, deep uh, fermented cheeses, old world cheese, artisan cheeses. And then I, I always garnish too with some uh, probiotic mi microbial rich uh, kimchi and sauerkraut and kvass, which is uh, Russian fermented uh, beets and beet juice. Yes. That's, that's, it's, it's fascinating. Do you get bored uh, eating that yeah. though? I mean, that's the, that's the one thing I worry about. Cause I'm, I grew up, so my background is not the same as Sean. So I grew up with a Spanish mom. So we had a very Mediterranean type diet. My uh -huh. dad is Mexican American. But my mom was the one mainly cooking. So I would say it was a very Mediterranean, you know, olive oil and fish and a little bit of meat and salads and sort of. And I've always I'm a Libra, so I like balance. <laughs> and to me, that feels very balanced. And so my sister is on carnivore. And I think. It makes sense. She, By the way, I feel good when I eat meat. I've had, she, I've had like she is singing from the mountaintops how great my, she my feels, sister, Rachel's sister. Occasionally, <laughs> I will have a burger for breakfast, you know, no bread, and I feel good eating it. But I also feel like not just fermented vegetables, I feel like a good salad, you know, sometimes is, is good for me. And so I guess I think this is the mind break thing that Sean and I are talking about because neither of us are opposed to the protein part of this. But it is the elimination of fresh vegetables. Now, I, and you could add the fermented stuff, but the elimination of fresh vegetables seems counterintuitive and yeah. counterintuitive yeah. to me. It so did, tell me why I can't have me. a salad. Yeah, so it did to me too. So I went carnivore almost five years ago. Um, uh, I to a purist, I'm I'm really um, not carnivore because I include fermented vegetables. 
But the uh, opposition to vegetables, why carnivores don't eat vegetables, are the growing awareness and body of knowledge and science about, about these, what I would call microtoxins, okay? They, they are plant defenses amounting to uh, lectins and uh, oxalates and these, these other substances that are within the, uh, the plant that over a slow period of time, a long period of time, cause you to have inflammation. So when I first heard about the carnivore diet, a friend talked me in, I was trying to talk me into it. I said, that's crazy, man. I'm a physician. Uh, I was very healthy. I'd, I'd done so great, you know, cutting out carbohydrates, processed foods, eating vegetables and meat. But I ran into him six months later, and he was so profoundly different, better looking, that I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to try this and see what happens. He kept insisting to give it a try. You don't have anything to lose except for eating vegetables for a few months. It's not going to kill you. And I, like your sister, started singing from the mountaintops. I got so much better. Uh, the little bit of joint pain that I was having went completely away, Rachel, completely away. Wow. And six times, six times in almost five years, I have introduced vegetables back in slowly to see what would happen. Joint pain came back. Uh, I got more achiness. I got more stiff cut the vegetables out again, only went to fermented vegetables. It all resolved and I feel great. So I think the happy median for me and what I advocate for my patients who come to me for uh, specialization in health and performance optimization, I recommend that they they do a trial of the ultimate elimination diet, which is carnivore and uh, maintain some, um, some regular daily practice of always co-ingesting meat with fermented vegetables and only fermented vegetables, not vegetables in raw form. So to answer your question about variety and don't you need to have variety, I, I tell my wife every time I eat a burger or steak, to me, this is the strangest thing, but I'm not kidding you. It is the best tasting steak or burger <laughs> I've ever had. It's crazy. I, I don't ever remember that with or happening with that degree of familiar, like every single time when I was eating vegetables or spaghetti or something like that. But literally, that's what's happened to me. And I used to always forget what I had for dinner before when I wasn't carnivore. Now I remember with absolute clarity what I had for dinner the night before. <laughs> So the, these events are more meaningful. Uh, they're far more sustaining and uh, far more even enjoyable for me. But you have to be careful as a researcher and a practitioner now of health and performance optimization about trying to enjoy, you know, eating your food because next thing you know, you'll be eating gobs of ice cream and, right. and candy and uh, and pastries and strudels and and not not eating meat and the important things. So. Um, yeah, I get that some people are afraid about, you know, eliminating uh, vegetables, that they're, they're not going to have variety. But in my experience, uh, my patients don't complain about it. They, they don't miss the variety. Um, they, uh, they, as long as they continue to eat a variety of meat, uh, because uh, I think ancestrally, that's what we did. I think we ate a lot of uh, very, very healthy meat and uh, fermented foods uh, to help sustain us. So I want to. I'm still going to get back to the visceral fat because that fascinates me. But quickly, on the meat that you eat, it's important that you're not. I mean, we're not going to get meat at Walmart. Are you 
very specific about grass-fed, no hormone-fed yeah. meat. Which what, is expensive, by the way, right now, doctor. I mean, yeah. so th- that's let's talk about that that aspect too. What kind of meat should yeah, be so, if we go here? Yeah, so healthy meat is usually is more expensive because it costs more money to raise an animal uh, on grass, uh, really because uh, the animal doesn't weigh as much. Most of the animals that are conventionally raised on grain and antibiotics, even give them antibiotics to make them more fat, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what leads to obesity in humans. The earlier you get starting antibiotics, the more likely you get um, uh, obese and you get diabetic, you become diabetic, super sad. So it happens to these farm animals. And so what I like to tell my patients is, you know, we used to be these precise hunters that would go out. We're the only species that look for the healthiest, the best animal to hunt. Other animals look for the old heifer dragging its leg, the injured animal, the young, uh, the young uh, calf. But we use our brains to hunt, to figure out which one has the healthiest nutritional um, appearance. And so we would have selected that one. And that's what you need to do. If you're listening today, be that kind of discerning hunter when you go into a grocery store and look for the healthiest food to eat. You, it shouldn't be suspended because it's it's packaged in, you know, some kind of a, a styrofoam container as meat or whatever. Uh, you, you still want to be selective about that meat and you want the healthiest animal. So 100% grass fed, 100% grass finished. And what I tell people is you should look for not a lot of streaks of fat in the meat. That's something people aren't talking about. But if you look at my my website, you'll see it's it's human marbling. It's called myosteatosis. And that that fatty infiltrate within the skeletal muscle is associated with visceral fat and associated with chronic disease. So you want to look for lean mat, lean meat that doesn't have a lot of fatty streaks as fat around the edges that is golden yellow as opposed to the white from grains. And uh, you want to really be selective about those those grades of meat and look for it and uh, and be and be the healthiest as you, you can possibly be. So, so Sean, fat, and I, Sean and I found a, a we were driving near our house and saw a farm nearby that said they're selling lamb. And we stopped in. We bought we bought a lamb. I'll tell you what, it was hard for me because I felt bad <laughs> that I was sending it. a lamb to the butcher <laughs> myself. You know, um, it was tough. Um, but I I did. And then when we went to pick it up, we found out they were selling pigs. So I, I bought a half of a pig um, that I'm going to be getting in a few months. But, um, you know, they're grass fed. And, and by the way, they used pig, they used everything. I, I took the I took the bones for the so I can make stock. And they even allowed me to take the 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 hide and they're going to treat that and, and make me a little rug. So I used every bit of it. Um, but you know, those opportunities are around it, around you. And it's not as expensive as I thought it would be, frankly. And I know what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a website, eatwild.com, uh, eatwild.com that, that lists all the, a lot of farmers and, uh, purveyors of food, uh, that are, that have a more of a natural bent. Some of them are very, very natural. I found some really good sources. So, that's a resource. And, and just uh, if you care about your body as your most important physical asset, uh, to Sean's point, you know, inputs into your body, you're going to only input what's good for it. And if you, you input garbage in, you get garbage out, you destroy sure. that body. And you're, so your body really is your most important physical asset. Um, but I do, um, do want to circle back 
on chronic disease and, and share sure. a quick story your sister Leah wanted me to share with you. During the 2012 presidential campaign, Governor Mike Huckabee and all the candidates were asked, what kind of legacy would you leave for your presidency? And all the, all the candidates for the presidential election had different answers, and I don't remember, but I remember Governor Mike Huckabee's. His response was, I would go Kennedy-esque, just like Kennedy declare a race to the moon. I would declare a war against chronic disease and unite our country to help stamp out chronic disease. So he recognized it as humanity's and our nation's biggest problem. And that's really interesting. So this man thought the, the, the most important thing for him to achieve in the most important office in the world was to eradicate chronic disease. I thought that was profound insight, and that's yes. exactly how I think. I could barely breathe, but unfortunately, the majority of people listening in the audience and probably the TV didn't appreciate that. But if you realize that how healthy you are defines how healthy your body is going to define how much you're going to enjoy your life and how much you're going to suffer, then you begin to form an understanding about chronic disease and the value of your body. And then you can be more selective about the meat you eat, the vegetables you eat, how you live, how you exercise, how you sleep. All these things make contributions to your health and define the quality of your life. So it's really an important discussion. I'm it glad is. you guys are really um, interested in it. And uh, visceral fat is, if, if you're listening, is probably the, not probably, it is the single most important metric for you to follow to optimize your health. It's not so how do you How do you measure that? Yeah, like how do we do, how do we know our visceral fat? Because you, you can be really thin, right? And still have a lot of visceral fat exactly. inside your gut. So yeah. Talk to us yes. about visceral fat and what it means for health and how we figure out what our visceral fat load is. Yeah, so uh, you can be thin and filled with, it's called invisible obesity or another term I call is radioactive fat or it's the fat that kills you. Got all these clever names for it. And it's invisible inside your body. You don't know unless you get a scan to take a look at it. So there's various different ways to, to scan it. You can you could scan through a DEXA scan, which gives you a numeric value of what your visceral fat is, pretty accurate. You can do a bio, bioimpedance scale, which gives you a, a less accurate, but you know reasonably good approximation how much visceral fat you have. Uh, but the very best standards uh, scans do are CTs, uh, CTs of your abdomen, or, which uses a little bit of radiation, uh, or some radiation. And my preferred is MRI, which gives you the highest resolution and no, resolu uh, no radiation. Now, why that's important is you need to look at the enemy inside. You need to stare at this evil enemy, I like to call it an alien inside that's pumping out inflammatory substances, ruining your health, ruining your appearance, ruining your performance and your quality of life. So if you stare at it and see it, it's just a lot more motivating than if you stare at a number. A number won't mean much to you. But I've had clients literally, Sean and Rachel, pass out, go unconscious wow. once they see that enemy inside of them. So that would never happen in a lab report. It would never happen from a cholesterol uh, number. It would never happen from a DEXA scan that tells you a value of visceral fat. You have to see it. And the difference is you engage your senses. It's something about your sensory input and analysis that's very different than cortical analysis, where you're just looking at 
numbers and interpreting them. And for millions of years, we were around, we didn't even have math. So all these laboratory studies, you know, with using numbers don't really resonate as well with us because part of our makeup was we used, we were guided by our senses. So alphas, the most optimizing humans today are people that use their senses to get better. Everybody else uses their sensories to pursue pleasure and comfort. So think about that. Pleasure and comfort is what most people use their senses for. But if you switch and use your senses to improve yourself, to optimize, then you can really make a difference. Sean, teach your children that. You'll create a legacy that will be much more enduring and lasting in this planet than if you don't and you just allow them to pursue what tastes good, what feels good. And uh, they'll that's have, funny. They'll it's have- funny you say that, doctor, because we actually had um, on my show on the weekend on Fox and Friends weekend, we had Mark Wahlberg on. And one of the things that Mark Wahlberg, he was on to talk about a, a, a Lenten Catholic um, app that he's he's, you know, put out there to help people with their spiritual life. But he quoted Pope Benedict, who said, we were not made as humans for comfort. We were made for greatness. And it sort of is the same thing you're saying here in the physical sense. Um, that we do pursue. I mean, listen, it's hard for me. Um, again, here's the mind break for me on you. Um, I love food. And I and I I think the pleasure of food is 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 one of the great things in life. And so I do feel pleasure when I eat a steak or I have a great burger. Um, but I love dessert. This is a, this is a little bit hard for me to to wrap my head around. But I I I believe what you're saying is true. Um, and I think, again, this idea of visceral fat is something that no one else is, is talking enough and, about. And just on that point, I, Rachel says I can live as a prisoner. Yeah, I always uh, say John doesn't need a lot of variety. <laughs> I just, just a quick note, in, in, in December, I, I got some blood work done, and, and that wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And the day I got the results back, doctor, I that day I cut out coffee. I cut out all meat. I went all whole grain, all fruits and vegetables, because that's all I knew, awesome. right? That's all... But um, I, I, but he looks I, a lot better. I'll I say started that. to feel better, but I also I think that your point on inflammation is a is a really big um, point that I think a lot of us don't think about. Inflammation is disease causing in the end, right, or an indicator of disease. And I think I I have to. This is why I wanted to talk to you today because I think I have to reshift what I'm doing. I'm again, you, you didn't say anything about grains, oats, um, rice, which I think you probably all say don't eat that, cut it out. No, but, don't eat them. <laughs> Don't even, that's what I'm going to say. But so if if there's one indicator that someone could have about their the, the health of their body, is it this this the scan that you do and the visceral fat they have inside their body? Is that the one indicator on your health? I, I think that's a an incredibly important one. But listen, your audience, the majority of people are not going to go out and be able to get an MRI or do it. So why, here's why my- can't, does insurance not cover it? No, insurance won't cover it. You can pay out of pocket about $500 to get the scan, pay cash. That's the way to do it. But to Sean's question, it's really important. Here's what you do. Go get your pictures of what you look like 10 years ago. Get your pictures of what you look like today. You don't look better. You're living wrong and it's time to change Mm. your diet and you need to get rid of visceral fat. 99.999% of the people listening are going to look worse. And the single reason is visceral fat makes you Mm. appear worse. We wear our health on our faces because our faces communicate to our audiences that we talk to 
either to pay attention to this person or dismiss them. If you are healthy in your appearance, it says to everybody standing in front of you, listening to you, I know I live well and pay attention to me because I can help you live better. But if it's the opposite and you're declining your appearance because of declining health, you tell them basically, I don't know how to live, I'm living wrong, and they won't listen to you as well. Now think about that mm. in the political application. If you get promising candidates, men and women coming forward to serve our country in government who really truly are living appropriately, they display that and the audiences, their voting population will be more inclined to, to vote for them and leaderships of companies and organizations, their employees and members will be more inclined to follow their guidance. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not.com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. It projects strength. strength. I mean, health it's is strength. But listen, that's an interesting topic because, you know, I remember a very famous interview with Chris Christie and Oprah Winfrey where they were both discussing like, look, I mean, it's just, just to give you a little pushback. Doctor, because uh, listen, I I, I want to. She pushes back at me all the time, Doc. So don't worry about it. <laughs> but both Oprah and Chris Christie are highly successful people, and both of them said they felt like people, and, and they're disciplined in all kinds of areas in their life. They both admitted in in their interview that they struggled with with weight and food, right? But they they felt like there was a discrimination against them because um, people assumed. <laughs> that because they were overweight, uh, that they were not, you know, capable of, you know, managing her company in the way, you know, in the case of, of Oprah Winfrey, which clearly she is, or in, in, in the case of, uh, Chris Christie. But, but uh, maybe if they, they, they may be disciplined in all kinds of ways, but maybe t I've heard you say, we go back thousands of years where the, the indicators that we have when we look at them would say that's not disciplined, even though right. so even though they, they are, are disciplined, disciplined, we can't help but our think, sensors, sensories yeah. in our brain go and off and go, they're not disciplined. They're imperfect. They're just not quite there. It doesn't mean that their their value and skills and talents right. are, are less. But I would say to Chris Christie and Oprah, if you optimize your health, get rid of your visceral fat, if they if they could become client patients of mine, I would love them. <laughs> Believe me, I thought about both <laughs> Chris of Chris Christie, you're listening. Oprah, I don't know if she's listening to us. but okay. Well, Chris, <laughs> if Chris Christie listens, that's fantastic. Um, I would be delighted to work with him. He would simply optimize and improve his talents even more. We never saw a single person who eliminated visceral fat that did not start performing better. 
That's really, really interesting because I've never heard that in medicine. All of the training I've ever had, uh, never seen that human performance across the board improves as health improves. So Chris, if you're listening, target visceral fat, give me a call, get on me. I will work with you to help you become an awesome, even better politician. You're an awesome politician, but everybody can get better. There are always ways to improve. And targeting a visceral fat is would be a real the most important target for you. And you'll 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 see the change in terms of how you perform, how you appear, and the quality of your life. So, so yeah, is it, I think is it the eating of meat? Is it eating meat and eliminating carbs and processed food? Is that it pretty much it? That, that'll eliminate, uh, so eliminate it, visceral fat. It's it's number one, I would say that, but it's it's not just it. You know, it's um it's like a prism, Rachel. If you take sunshine, uh, which is pure, pure light, right, and run it through a prism, you'll see it's the components of many things. Roy G. Bibb, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. All those components come together to create optimal, pure white light. Same thing with health. What you eat, when you eat, how much you eat, how when you don't eat, how you exercise, how much sunshine you get. How you sleep, all these things are contributions to health. Mm. The problem is we don't look at them together collectively. It's usually your doctor telling you one thing, eat this or, you know, stop smoking. And it, it doesn't, you can't get results that way. you got to do many things. Um, and it, it actually, when you do it correctly, you save time. Like my exercise, if you look at my photographs, I exercise for the past 10 years about five minutes once every three days, five <laughs> minutes, once every three days. It's, it's actually been very easy. It's not been hard at all. In fact, it's way easier than when I was unhealthy and going to the gym and working out an hour and a half and, and struggling with eating and not sleeping and trying to do all these crazy things. Um, this is the easiest thing. You know, it's it's just living art. If you look at the animals, do they look like they're struggling? You know, they, they really don't. They barely exercise. They exercise in a certain way. It's just choices that you make, how you live your life. And when you when you bring it together, it it amplifies the results and it manifests in this. this what are you doing for exercise? What's your five minutes well, of exercise? Doc, you, you have these yeah. you have this elite genome that comes from our great Irish heritage, too. That I mean, that's, <laughs> that is unsurpassed by any other. What's your exercise look like? Because I see Sean. Yeah. I mean, he's he. So Sean used to work out for like an hour and a half. Then he started talking with Dan Bongino, put him on another thing. So now he works out about three days a week for about a, how long? 45 minutes, three days, three days a week. I'll, I'll have Dan out too. So what I, <laughs> my favorite form of exercise is sprinting. Because in uh, as a, a health researcher, I looked at a lot of anthropology and uh, studies of our ancestors. And I realized probably nothing contributed more to keeping us in the gene pool and allowing us to enjoy a better quality of life during our entire existence, which, you know, generally people, most scientists think it's around 4 million years, however you want to define years. And so nothing was more contributory towards our existence than sprinting, how fast you could run. So sprinting is a big part of my workout. I do very, very maximum intensive uh, sprinting exercises, and then I do maximum intensive exercise. So my next one that I love to do is uh, uh, push-ups. So really, I do, I'll do 100 push-ups straight in a row, nonstop, in about 
83 seconds, 83 to uh, maybe 90 seconds. So uh, those are good quality military push-ups. I'm still active duty Minnesota Army National yeah. Guard. <laughs> and uh, I do high quality, you know, very, very maximally intense exercise. So yeah, it's brief, but it's high yield. So I'm not going out. I used to jog 90 minutes a day, uh, 75 minutes a day. I no longer do that. I actually found in studies that the distance runners hold on to visceral fat more than, uh, mm. uh, than people who give up distance running and substitute in sprinting. So see, that's uh, another mind break, right? Because they look so skinny, and yet but they don't they're, look strong. They, they don't something about long distance running. They don't look as healthy. So I always felt no, like you're exactly right. But you know, we're fooled into believing that running is a great thing. But if you look at the the end result of marathoners and and ultra marathoners, is they're emaciated in this terrible condition called sarcopenia. So what I found is exactly. uh, sarcopenia is loss of muscle mass and strength as you age. But you shouldn't. You should really be getting better. You should be optimizing, getting stronger and bigger. So my pictures in the past five years from 55 uh, to uh, 59, I've got more muscle and I've got more strength and I've got more intelligence and I perform better across the board in every function that I do the past five years since I've really centered in on eating healthy meat and healthy vegetables, healthy ferments and doing these other things that I do, getting sunshine, doing doing uh, sauna, doing cold plunges, basically the kind of things that our ancestors would have been exposed to. So, Doc, let, let's talk about your practice um, and kind of w- w- someone comes in to see you and says, all right, I, I, I want to be healthy. Um, what do you, what do you do? I mean, do you, are you doing blood work? Are you doing, you know, you're doing this, the, the, the body scan? Do you, is it one plan or do you tailor a plan towards everyone's individual body? How does yeah, it work so, when someone yeah, comes to go, I Hey, do, I want to get healthy doctor. Yeah. So that first starts with that. They, they really have to respect that their body is their most important physical asset. If they're not that, if they can't see that they're not worth me working with, there's so so many people want to work me. I have so little time. I tr- I'm training other doctors to step in because the market is, 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 is such a demand to really optimize and say, just treat. But what I do is I scan people and I show them their problem. Okay, I get visualization of the enemy inside of them until they until they can really assess that. Uh, it's like looking at spy at, at sat- satellite imagery. You know, it's it's really that high yield to take a look at it, and it's not numbers. So blood work. You know, I, when I served active duty before I was in the National Guard of his big army, uh, I took care of President Bush, uh, Vice uh, Vice President Cheney. President Clinton, Colin, Secretary of State Colin Power, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. So I had the privilege of doing senior executive service, medical care for the senior executive service as active duty Army physician. Then I set up a concierge medical practice for managing directors of hedge funds, billionaires, and world families. I did millions of dollars worth of blood work, but nothing changed these people. The, the, the numbers don't change people. They really don't. But when you show them an MRI Uh, of what's inside of them, then they really change. Then they're passing out. Then their wives are crying when they see their husbands filled with this stuff, a big chunk of fat around their heart, clogged arteries. I mean, this is, you you don't have to go to medical school to see it. Do you see the functionality of the arteries as well in the scan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, 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 you can, uh, if, if it's functional MRI, you can assess functionality. But basically, you can also infer the functionality because you see those clogged arteries. 
you know, coronary artery calcification, CAC scoring uh, scans are kind of a kind of an interesting thing they're going on. And I like them because they lead to increased discussion. But really, what you want to be looking at is the stuff that's going to kill you, the soft plaques, not the calcified ones. And so MRI allows you to assess soft plaques. And we saw these clogged arteries in the brain when we were getting rid of visceral fat. As people in our you know, National Science Foundation study kids saying, why am I more intelligent? Why is my memory improving? It was really driving me nuts because all I was scanning was visceral fat. Uh, but why, why does it, you know, when I get rid of visceral fat, I get more intelligence. So the last 30 patients out of 6,000, we started scanning brains and we saw it was their arteries were clogged, Sean. Their arteries have these big plaques, you know, uh, blocked in them. And then we would put them on this protocol that we developed from the National Science Fa Foundation and I further am amplified and developed as well. Then these artery, these blockages were opening up. Here's the interesting thing. When they opened up, people developed visible pulsations to their arteries. So I'm an emergency medicine doctor, ACLS training, you know, uh, to save lives and CPR. They tell you to feel for a pulse. Wrong answer. Look for a pulse. That's what we should be doing, looking for a pulse. But today, nobody has pulses. Almost nobody has pulses right. unless you really have soft arteries where you, you don't have atherosclerotic, you know, hardening of your arteries prevents your pulses from moving. So, yeah, if I ever meet you, you won't, you won't be able to see it through the camera. But, yeah, you can come up to me. I, my, you see my pulses are bounding all over my body. So and, circulation uh, that, improves with this as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how my appearance has improved so much and how my client patient's appearance improves so much and their performance improves so much. You cannot look better. You cannot perform better without getting better blood flow. And blood yeah. flow is completely dependent upon visceral fat. And probably, we have to study the mechanisms, probably the things that are responsible for causing visceral fat are responsible for causing the deposition of fat within skeletal muscle and the smooth muscle of arteries, veins, and capillaries. So that's where they become diseased. They don't flow as well. So the things that help you to eliminate visceral fat help you to eliminate the chronic processes. So the best way to look, think about visceral fat, it's the furthest uh, upstream finding of chronic disease that we became aware of. You can see beginning in children and then depending upon how much processed foods they have, through, you can see it increasing in their teenage years. And then eventually uh, in their 20s, it begins manifesting an appearance. That be, they have an inflamed looking face. And in my clients, their inflamed looking faces reverses and they get this lean, attractive, more healthy appearing look to their face and their bodies. And that's yeah. really what it is. It's, it's getting rid of that visceral fat and the inflammation that is literally being pumped out by that visceral fat 24 hours a day. It's like this this evil pumping machine that is just spewing toxins and and uh, inflammatory cytokines and dipokines and molecules that travel throughout our body to all our cells and uh, causing disease. So doctors are telling adjacent subjects. Two two of my favorite things to have on occasion is a cup of coffee. And once in a while, I used to, I was, I would like a glass of wine, but I, I stopped drinking wine. I'll, I'll have a drink yeah, wine, every now and again. reaction to wine. So. Yeah, or beer. But so what do you say about a, 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 an alcoholic drink once in a while and coffee once in a while? What are, what are yeah. those? How do so those coffee, I drink coffee um, almost every day. 
I, I actually recommend about four to five cups of coffee a day. Part of the process kind of coffee is actually <laughs> fermentation, which improves oh, yeah, the quality of the coffee. It doesn't have any microbial benefits because if they end up roasting, it kills off the microbes. But yeah, I still advocate the consumption of coffee. And so I think it's beneficial. And then, as, uh, and actually a good dose of it, four to five cups is associated with the lowest incidence of, athros- of mortality with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. So hmm. four to five cups of coffee a day um, is, is actually the recommendation. And, and that's what I try to get in. I drink it uh, without any sugar because sugar would be detrimental. Um, I do not, I do not uh, add any sugar to it. Um, I will drink it either black or I'll add really rich golden yellow um, full fat uh, cream uh, and uh, mm. look for that, that real golden. Well, what about raw milk? Bit. Yeah, raw milk is something that I drink uh, too, but I prefer to take it and I ferment it. I let my kids drink the raw milk, but I ferment the milk because of the carbohydrates associated with it. And it's all mediated by the microbiome. If we had our kids' microbiome, we could consume that those lactose and those carbohydrates without the detrimental rise in glucose and the inflammatory effects of insulin being spiked. And so it's all the microbiome. And that's what a lot of people are missing out who promote, you know, eating and eating carbohydrates and eat whatever you want. Calories in, calories out, never takes into consideration uh, that it's your microbiome and the type of micros that you have in you. And uh, the healthier you are as parents, uh, the healthier your children. Just walk around the Mall of America next time you I come know. visit your sister. You'll see, if you see chubby kids, glance at their parents and you'll see those big inflamed faces of their parents staring back at you. It's yeah, microbes shared it's within a family and their diet that's causing this. Wait right there. We'll have more of this conversation next. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. So uh, I've, I've one fast question. I just want you to answer this one quick because I don't want to get to the next part. Do you ever cheat? Do you go, you know what? It's it's my birthday. I'm going to have cake or pie or something. I am the only human in the world that I'm aware of that has started this and has never cheated one time <laughs> is that an irish thing too <laughs> i don't know i've never found another man or woman like me but i've looked at an identical twin brother and our biggest arguments were monozygotic twins are right, he cheats and i don't i'm guessing the only reason is the microbes that i have within me uh give me the capacity to be that resolute and disciplined but i just see with absolute clarity that if i cheat i'm harming myself 
Mm-hmm. And even a single. But what about your clients? You have clients. Obviously, not everyone is as disciplined as you. Set herself up. Can I'm setting myself up. I want to do what you're doing, but I yes. know myself, and I know that I just I love. You know, I love but I they, love dark but, chocolate. So he I has love to show you the scan of your innards first. Yeah, and then once I see my, fat, my visceral like, fat, okay, I won't think cheat I won't ever again. No, but, but but it is a legit question because like I said, yeah. I do believe well, in some balance and I'm not I'm not nearly as disciplined as my husband. I said he's on the Dan Bongino workout and boy, he has seen and I've switched my he's, diet. He's seen and stuck great results. I can't yeah. I don't have that kind of discipline. So can somebody, you know, still be on this plan and it doesn't have to be super strict, but they'll still get those. Absolutely. Benefits. It's a journey. Look, not everybody's perfected. Not everybody's going to be that have that level of discipline. Uh so some of my client clients cheat and you know fall. Uh, and they recover. It's uh, just lengthening that time of of, uh, of uh, correction and being uh, disciplined and not eating those bad foods is important. I have one client, who, uh, Cameron. He's a uh, was the number one rated pilot in American Airlines. He he doesn't cheat at all. I don't think he is incredibly disciplined. He brought that you know when he came to me that kind of level of discipline. But here's here's what happens if you take a single lick of ice cream. You just provided a football field uh, or a hockey arena full of food for the bad microbes down inside your gut that need that sugar and need that processed food. So you're feeding them. So if you can get this insight that what you put in not just feeds you, but feeds those microbes, then then you you have a better understanding of what's going on. So you got to eat for your microbiome. You want to eat in a direction that feeds good ones and eat in a direction that that doesn't feed the bad ones. So tasty, you know, processed foods that you know are bad for you are, are just going to generate uh, more uh, and generations. You know, we reproduce, you know, generations like every 30 years. These guys are reproducing in minutes so they can literally out evolve us. You know, so when you when you eat a single lick, you just created generations of so, these bad uh, microbes inside your gut. So, so that's that's what I do. I eat, I, eat in a healthy I think way. It's a, a good explanation, Doc. A number of years ago, I was like, again, when I was in Congress, I got I got oh, fat. Boy. Listen, um, Congress is like the worst. Doesn't it's like everybody who goes to Congress gets fat, gets fat and then they leave Congress and they look great. Okay. <laughs> happened to Sean, it happened to Sean. So, but here's, so in Congress, I'm like, you know what? I'm getting too fat. And I, I went on the, uh, you like went on the keto, keto. Basically, I, I cut out all the carbs. Is what I did. I just like, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm cutting all carbs and I, and I wish I would have talked to you and known you before. Cause I, I would have done it the right way. I don't think I was doing it the, the right healthiest way to do it, but I did it. And I'm telling you what, like I got into ketosis, like after I think like eight days and like I dropped, I dropped like 18 pounds in no like time. a month. It just fell off. And, but then what I found was I was craving was I, I, I craved sugar and the cravings went down when, you know, after I got into it for a little while, I'm like, you, you, what you, you recognize what a drug sugar is and how, what yeah. a impact it has in our life until you get rid of it. And, but what happened uh, to, to Rachel's point, I would cheat once in a while when I, when I was doing it. And then it was like ferocious, <laughs> the desire I had to have sugar. And it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a really powerful Drug it, you just created you just an orgy, like, an orgy yes. of those microbes. They went down and reproduced like crazy. But that's exactly yeah. what happened. So 
if you never feed them, Sean, you don't get those those cravings uh, and mass coming back at you. So yeah, yeah, it just it just shows what's what's going on. The 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 obesity epidemic really is an uh, epidemic of infection. We're simply infected with obesogenic obesity generating microbes. We're mm-hmm. spreading it in the Western world through airlines to all of the formerly very thin countries in Africa yes, and Asia, and they're now uh, developing rapid rates of obesity. It's just microbes. And conventional medicine isn't waking up to this. Um, they don't have an answer to this. And furthermore, they love it. Why would yeah, they it. stop it? They it want more money. disease. Obesity generates profits. And so mm-hmm. you've got to love your health, love your body to, to oppose this. you got to eat more healthy and have insights. And yeah, any new congressman out there listening, they're on their way to Congress. Come talk to me. I'd love to help you stay <laughs> Actually, that, healthy. It's great we advice. Need healthy in Congress. I wish you were the doc. I wish you were the doctor tell, in Congress when Sean Kevin was there. Ma- I'm going to tell Kevin McCarthy to have you come and speak to his conference. Actually, that's about- a great idea. You're it's- all going to get yeah, fat. I'd be happy to do freshmen. that. Yeah. Honestly, and- Sean, that's the best idea you've ever had. It, it's one of true. the best ideas I've it's ever had. One of the best ideas. <laughs> I've had it's a few done. Idea because honestly, I think it's your best one, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Omar agrees. So you know why? Because here's it, it's it's it, I, I don't want to you know Congress is very specific, but they're away from home. There's traveling. They're going to events where there's, you know, they're going for long periods of time without eating. And then they're at an event where there's, you know, really crappy hors d'oeuvres and they're they're starving and they got to eat and then they got to go to the next event. It's a very, very busy lifestyle. But there's, but there's, you can have a steak, but then it's like these fat desserts come out with ice cream and then you can have a glass of wine if you want. It's like all of a sudden you do a couple of those events and all of a sudden you're like, I ate like three steaks tonight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's bad. And and then they're traveling and then they're away from home and routine. What's better than that though, Rachel? But but you're right. If if this Republican team was going to be optimal, they need to be. And and you you offer the Democrats as well, but you're bipartisan because our bodies are bipartisan. Yeah. But I think what's important is if we had our government outside of the 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 big the the big pharma big food complex, but actually members of Congress were yes. able to go, hey, something's going on here. These are some thoughts that you should you should have run through your brain about what you're doing legislatively to make America healthier, which by the way, Spot if you have on. a debt problem at $31.5 trillion dollars in debt, if you make America healthy, you can balance your budget. Yeah, I totally. Yeah. It's a it's a fiscal issue, right? I it mean, is. Spend- yeah. Four trillion dollars, a third of our GDP is being wasted on uh, treating chronic disease. It's a third. Right. It's the largest part of our economy. Think what you, you could have done, Sean, and what Congress could do, our government could do with that kind of savings if we spent it, you know, uh, on the military and education, uh, on jobs, on, on things that were really much more productive instead of you know, wasting it down the toilet. And, the, and our military is getting fat too, by the way, doctor. Oh, they are. It's super discouraging. Yeah, I need uh, I need some help to, to get to the right people. There, <laughs> there are a lot of people running uh, interference with me. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'd love to so, talk to Kevin. So I'll talk to you after the podcast and I'm going to, I'm going to hook that up. Okay. We were, if I was well prepared and we were on video, I'd put up a picture of Bill Gates right next to you. And I'd go, you eat meat. And Bill Gates wants the world to eat crickets and bugs. What yeah. do you say to Bill Gates, who thinks the premier uh, human that. diet is bugs, or or is is not meat? I mean, listen, not there meat. is a whole agenda coming from the WHO and Bill Gates. 
this whole agenda to, to go vegan, to go bugs, to get meat out, because of course, cows impact the climate and they say that's what they care about. Talk to us about that really quick. Yeah. So my answer is that you got to follow the basics. What our ancestors did is how you look and how you perform. That is who led the tribe, who led the clan, who led the fight to go out uh, in battle, who led the, the clan to hunt and get the best food, the highest performers, and they always look good. So today we've lost sight of that. We're paying attention. It's all distraction. You know, all these other numbers and figures, what Bill Gates comes up with, it's the hard facts. How you look and how you perform really should be defining who we should be paying attention to and following as leadership. So that we just got to oppose the nonsense with real sound science. Fundamentally, what we follow, it's appearance of performance. I'm very different. That's how I define health than other physicians. Others want to, and want to look at your labs, your cholesterol. And uh, it's, it's, it's when you look at it from a research standpoint, you know, using metrics called signal to noise, signal what really matters, noise is distraction. Everything that like Bill Gates and the, and the collective uh, side there that's promoting veganism and and uh, and uh, trying to get you to accept uh, obesity, um, they're per- they're promoting uh, noise. Signal is, is really how you look and how you perform. When it comes down to it, it, what's more important when it comes to your health than how you look and how you're performing? I mean, yeah. if you follow the other side, you won't be able to get out of chair. You'll be in a hospital bed wearing diapers because you won't be able to control your muscles be so weak. You won't be able to even control your stool content and your urine content anymore. So that's the end result for people that pursue comfort and pleasure and how they live and how they eat. And if you make informed choices following, you know, others that model good health, model a good appearance and performance, you end up looking a lot better and your quality of life is better. And I think we could turn our country around. No other country is doing this, but I would love to get our leadership on board yes. with being the best, healthiest men and women possible to increase their capability to serve uh, serve the people and to model that in, in the same kind of spirit that, you know, G- Governor Huckabee wanted to be able to you know, yeah. get our country united. I love that but- you brought up Huckabee because honestly, Sean and I love that guy. Uh, we absolutely love him. And and he is uh, that 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 he gave that answer, you know, comes from uh, both his, you know, he's an intelligent guy, but he has a real heart for people. And he obviously knows he, he has a, his, he fought his own. I would love health. to talk to him. I oh, just he's want to great thank too. him for. Yeah. yeah if you, if yeah, you know him, we'll hook you, you up with him me. as well. OK, well, that'd be great because he's he's a hero of mine just from that one scene. He's the guy yes. I most wanted would like to talk just to thank him for for he's, he's the one that resonated the most with me. Well, I think talking to you today, I'm both excited by the things you have to say. And like I said, I, I've incorporated some of it. I'm I'm partially carnivore, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to really start thinking and and perhaps implementing this fermented vegetable thing. I think I'm going to do that. See how that goes from for me. Um, I want to get an MRI as well. We'll both come, we're going to we come back go. every summer. We might come by and see you, Doc. I agree. I'd love to see both of you. So uh, love to do that. But I, I, think, I think what it's been, it's been both positive, but it also makes me sad about our public health because you see that so much um, of, of the way, even like our, our poorest and most vulnerable people, the way our government feeds them through, you know, the, the, the food stamps and the, and the, and the welfare, the kind of foods that are being offered to them 
versus and, and the kind of information. I mean, you saw the the pyramid, the food pyramid that came out that said, you know, Lucky Charms was healthier than meat. I mean, right. this is the kind of crap that's coming out of our public health system. It's, as you said, it's totally influenced by big food, by these big companies, General Mills and Kraft and all this and big pharma. And there is a system that is profiting off of making Americans unhealthy. You're somebody um, who's offering a different way. I really hope people listen and pay attention because um, we could all be, we could be a better, stronger nation. We have a lot of things up against us right now, um, but being stronger um, and healthier is definitely part of our own national security. Doc, what's your website? Where do people find you? Uh, you, you can find me at uh, www.dr. S E A N O M A R A dot com. So Dr. Sean Omera dot com. It's a, it's a right spelling. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's like Sean. Um, it's great. God, it's been so awesome talking to you. Thank you for all the work you're doing and, and trying to bring health to America and challenging the powers that be and, and these ideas that they put out that have made us sick and unhealthy um, and less happy and challenging that. And by the way, going from the, the, the medical school doctor, emergency room doc and being a thinker to go, something else is going on here that I have to explore and find out because I can help more people. And I, I and appreciate that you did that. That we can heal ourselves with good eating um, and, yeah. and a healthy lifestyle. I mean, that's, that's a revolutionary idea. And I think people are, you know, in some ways, the silver lining of, of the last few years of COVID is that people have lost trust in these institutions and maybe they're primed to hear something different. I hope so. I'd like to, to leverage any openness that might be available to uh, to exploit to help people understand that they really can improve and they don't have to worsen. So, yeah, I'd like to disrupt, uh, you know, slay the, you know, slay the giant of chronic disease and uh, actually get our generations to uh, uh, emerging to 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 increasingly uh, become more healthy. And it's going to take it's going to it's a top down approach. That's why I look for alpha. So. You know, in Congress and, and our government leadership and, and the military, uh, corporate leadership uh, at the top CEOs, if we can we can get them all more healthy to understand the, the value of this, uh, it's a wonderful thing. And and I yeah, I want to thank you both for your show and what you guys do, your own careers, uh, what you've done. My my wife loved the Mark Wahlberg show, by the way, <laughs> and uh, I'm a fan of Mark Wahlberg, too. He's, he's awesome because he's really trying to promote health and yes. uh i i have some tips mark's on a mark's on a really great start in fact he's he's well into it uh really good but i'd love to help him out too because he's uh yeah he, he's doing some fantastic great. Thing. the that only complaint the only complaint amazing. i've gotten on that interview is that all the women wish that i had d conducted the interview with mark Wahlberg with his shirt off <laughs> that's been the consensus <laughs> yeah. that was that yeah, was the awesome. one complaint um <laughs> Anyway, Dr. Merritt, listen, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us your time and, and being such a champion for for health. And we'll we do appreciate a, it. a podcast uh, later down the road to talk about this more in terms of policy. So here's what we do the follow up. Sure. Doc, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to your website because I'm in New Jersey. I'm a Wisconsin guy. We live out here because of because of, of Fox. But I'm going to actually I'm going to do this. I'm going to start. I'm going to I'm going to start to implement what you talked about before I actually come and see you in the summer. Um, and we'll do a follow up. 
and well, Rachel will cheat a little great. bit. I'll try not to cheat, and we'll see how we do. I'm going to try and get an MRI before and and get it sent to you, doctor. How about that? Would that yeah, work? that would be great. You know, it's it's nice. I like to get um, baseline MRIs on my client patients to show where they're at. Uh, I was talking to your sister Leah about it. To to you know, she wanted to get healthy first and do the scan. I said no. You want to see that disease inside because it's a lot more motivating sure. uh, to right. see that disease, and that's when you're going to make it make a difference. And then you repeat the scan down the road, and you can pat yourself on the back how well you do, and it just sustains you. So yeah, yeah however however you want to do it, but I I would love to see both your scans. Awesome. Um, you're the best. We really appreciate it. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of your, your pod, uh, other podcasts that you've been on and, and things that you have up on YouTube. I encourage people who are interested in, in more, cause there's a lot more on this discussion to do that. And then we'll follow up on some public policy. Let's make this a, a campaign to get America healthy. I would love that Rachel. I'd, I'd be uh, honored to come back anytime to, uh, to your podcast. Awesome. Dr. Mara, thank you for joining us and uh, hang out at the kitchen table. Maybe we'll hang at the kitchen table, actually not virtually, but in person one day. We one of these days, yeah, we'd love, love to do that. Yeah, we'll, have, we'll have three or four cups of coffee, too. We'll have coffee great. and yeah. steak. Awesome. Coffee <laughs> and steak. <laughs> Sean Amira, thank you for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. If you like Bye. the podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us around the kitchen table. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.